Good morning, church. Glad that you all are here this morning. Thank you so much for the honor and privilege of being able to deliver the word this morning. Thank you to your pastor for sharing his stage with me. Uh, as Eric said earlier, my name is Sean Finney. I've had the incredible honor of being the speaker for Disciple Now weekend. Uh, and there were a whole lot more of them here during the first service. So just imagine that the rest of these rows were full. We've dwindled a little bit. They went home to probably sleep until breakfast tomorrow, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've had the privilege of speaking with the students. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time introducing myself. Uh, but the most important, I, I'll share a little bit more about my family later on in the sermon. But the most important thing that you need to know right now uh, are these three things. I love Jesus very much. I try to love him with all my heart. I fail at that because I'm human. Uh, but I love Jesus. I love students. Been in ministry for 18 years and a good portion of that was with students. And so teenagers are like part of my heartbeat. Uh, I love uh, just the, the realness and the honesty uh, that they bring. And so I love being with them. And I count Eric, uh, I, like I said in the first service, for better or for worse, I count Eric Gaston as a dear friend of mine. And, uh, and uh, I hope you guys give him some love after this weekend because D-Now is really hard. Uh, I speak from experience on a student pastor. There's a lot of running around, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that nobody knows about. Uh, so just so we as a, as a group, as a church, are all uh, on the same page, I just want to give you a, a little bit of a recap about what we've been talking about uh, this weekend. Okay, so uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, this, the theme of this weekend has been what, students? Word. I told them that word was actually like a phrase that we used back when I was. Yeah, exactly. Word. That's right. It was our way of saying, yes, you speak the truth, my friend, uh, except for not sounding dorky like that. So we go, yeah, word, uh, word. And so if you hear them saying that around church for the next few weeks, uh, hopefully that'll stick. I'm trying to bring that back. Uh, you'll know what's going on. So what we talked about was how uh, the written word of God points to and reveals the living Word of God in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's been the theme of this weekend. It's been all about uh, what the Word of God is, what it means to a 21st century teenager, and how it impacts every aspect of our lives. And so we've talked about how to read the Bible and interpret it correctly, then apply it. We spent a lot of time on context, not pulling verses out of context and, and interpretation, how to rightly interpret the word so that we can then go around and, and apply it correctly to our lives. That was all Friday night. We talked about how the word of God brings peace and rest and hope into our lives. And then, like I said, we talked about how the written word points to Jesus Christ, the living word of God. We spent most of our time in Hebrews chapter 4, which is this really unique passage. Uh, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish Christians. And this specific chapter spends a lot of time reflecting on how the ancient Hebrews, like Old Testament Hebrews, had every opportunity to enter into the rest that God had been promising for generations, like back since Abraham. Give me just a moment here. I have, with all the hugs and up and down and stuff like that, my cord got messed up. I want to be able to give you guys my best. Okay, so... Uh, how the ancient Hebrews back in the Old Testament were not able to fully enter into the rest because they didn't fully believe God and trust Him for the promises that He said that He would deliver. The promised land. And so they ended up wandering around for 40 years, wandering around in the desert, just in sight, just in, in reach of the promised land. 
but were never able to fully enter it until finally they go in under Joshua. And even then, they don't fully obey the word of God. And so they don't fully get the rest. And that throws them into the chaos that leads them up until the time of Jesus. So the author goes on, the author of Hebrews goes on to say that though they never fully entered that rest in the promised land, the ultimate and better rest is available to everybody now through Jesus Christ. So we spent a lot of time looking at what it looks like to enter into that rest in Jesus. And that brings us to this morning. So everybody, I want to spend our time together, our last little bit, this is our last hour together taking a look at Jesus as the living Word of God and our ultimate source of hope. So if you'll turn with me in your copy of the Scriptures or on the app on your phone or whatever to John chapter 1. That's where we're going to be spending our time this morning. John chapter 1. And we'll get to that in just a second. But before we start reading, let me, let me ask a question. Where, where are my parents in the room? Yeah? Okay. You guys did just like the first one. First service. I told them, I know we're Baptist. But our hands can get above here without being Pentecostal. So you, it's okay. You can stick your hands up all the way. Where are my parents in the room? Let me see. Okay. Thank you. Much better. So parents, let me ask a question. It's like Baptist sinners. No, it's okay. We can get up here. We can praise the Lord up here too. Um, so let me ask a question to my parents in the room. How much like you are your children? How much like you are your children? A pretty good bit. Not at all. Some of you are like, mm, well, the too much. Yeah, <laughs> well, the good parts, they're like me. But the, the other stuff, that's, that's my spouse. Uh, yeah. So I've got I've got four kids and they're all pretty awesome. Most of the time. All right. Here's a picture of my family. Uh, that is Jack on the far left. He's about to turn 17. This picture is about a year old. Um Owen is there in the front. That's our only daughter, Emma, next to him. My wife's in the back row. That's Pam. And then she's holding Ryan, uh, who just turned six in November. Uh, so that's my family. Um, if you ever want to be humbled, let me tell you, have, have children. If you ever want to be humbled, have kids. My kids look a little bit like me, so they're a bit of a physical reflection of me. But it's been really interesting to see all four of them. Uh, have uh, the little personality traits that pop up that are some are like me and some are like my wife. And, and, and sometimes this is good. Like, um, I see my sense of humor in Owen. It's quirky. It's a little weird. It's, uh, to the chagrin of the rest of my family, he, he really likes puns and kind of dad jokes. All right. So, uh, I see that in Owen. I see in my oldest Jack, I see the compassion of my wife and kind of the heart for other people who are burdened. Uh, I see that in, in Jack. But then, what's the flip side of that, parents? The flip side of seeing the good stuff is that sometimes we see the stuff we're not so proud of in ourselves. We see that rearing up, and we're like, well, where did that come from? And then our husband or our wife will go, um, you. Like, that came from you. You don't see that in yourself? It came from you. So, whether we like it or not, our kids are a reflection of us. And sometimes that reflection makes us proud. And sometimes it kind of makes us cringe just a little bit. Sometimes it makes us cringe. And sometimes, sometimes they'll strike out in a completely different direction on their own. And, and be this imperfect reflection of what they've seen in us. So what, what does all this have to do with John chapter 1? Well, let's look together. 
Because we're going to see how Jesus is the perfect reflection of the perfect God the Father. John chapter 1. It reads like this. In the beginning was the what students? Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And so when you hear word here, that is the Greek word logos, okay, or logos or however you want to say it. But it's logos, L-O-G-O-S. That's how we in English translate that Greek word that's translated as word. Now, one of the interesting things, if you go back and you do a little bit of digging, is another and perhaps even better translation in this particular aspect of that word is revelation. So read it like that. In the beginning was the revelation. And the revelation was with God. And the revelation was God. Jesus Christ is the perfect revelation to us of God the Father. And he even goes so far, John goes so far as to say in the beginning, which echoes what, church? Genesis 1. Let's flip back real quick and look at Genesis 1.1. So hold your place there. And then flip back to Genesis 1. And it reads like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning and in the beginning. We've got that in Genesis, the beginning of the Old Testament. And then John here in the Gospels. Okay, so the beginning uh, of John's Gospel. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we've got God the Father and God the Spirit right here in the beginning in Genesis. But let's read on and see what John says about Jesus Christ. He was with God in the beginning, verse 2. Verse 3 says, All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. So Jesus was actually the agent of creation that God used back in Genesis 1, but God was not ready to reveal that to people in the Old Testament yet. And so what John is doing is establishing not only the deity of Jesus Christ, His Godhood, he's establishing His eternality, His foreverness, students. So we've got here the living Word of God who has been around since forever. It says, all things were created through Him, and apart from Him not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. In other words, nothing can dampen the light and the life of Jesus Christ. Not anything you're going through, not any relationship problems you're having, not any financial problems you're having, not any unemployment, not any uh, sickness, not any disease, not Satan himself can overcome the light of Jesus Christ. And so what we've been talking about this whole weekend is how important it is to wake up to realize our need for the perfect revelation of God through Jesus Christ. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So then John kind of takes a little pause, and we've got, uh, you know, if this were an old Western TV show, we'd have kind of like a meanwhile back at the ranch moment here, all right, where he steps in and talks about John the Baptist, uh, who is the messenger that God sent to pave the way, to prepare the way, uh, to prophesy about Jesus. There was a man sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. But he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light 
the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so John steps in and does this because there were some people that thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah because of the, the way that he lived differently and the message that he preached. But John then said himself, and we'll see later, John says, it's not me. I'm not fit to tie his sandals. It's, it's this one that's coming, Jesus. So that's the aside. But then in verse 10, John jumps back in and he says, he was in the world. This is Jesus. He was in the world and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Can you imagine being creator God of the universe that has come into the world to save people? And yet the very people that you came to save deny who you are because they were looking for something different. Have you ever been looking for something? Have you ever desired something? But then found out that when you got it, it looks different than what you thought it was going to be. Maybe it was a car that you thought you wanted and you got it and you're like, "Mm, this isn't what I thought it was or a relationship or a job or whatever. Well, the Jewish people were looking for a different Messiah. They thought what they needed was physical deliverance from the oppression of Rome. But what they really needed was spiritual deliverance from their sin and from their apathy. And Jesus came to deliver that, but they didn't see that. They were too busy looking for this, and they missed the beautiful thing that God had dropped right in their lap. They missed the one that came to save them because they were too busy looking for what they thought they wanted or what they thought they needed. He was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Is anybody in here adopted? Yeah. And so. You weren't a natural part of that family, right? But you were brought into that family and loved as a part of that family. And that's what God does to us through Jesus Christ. We're not naturally a part of the family of God. And he's talking here especially to Gentiles who were brought in, not part of the the lineage of, of David or of Abraham. But he says, you were brought in and adopted. And then I love how else he says, um... Not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man. So nothing that I can do, not of my own desires, not of my own flesh, because I know that myself, I am prone to wander away from God if left to my own devices. But God, in his loving kindness through Jesus Christ, draws us to himself and gives us the ability to have faith and to believe. And then he says in verse 14, the word of God became flesh And dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. And he says again, John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this is the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Now, that's kind of confusing, students. I want to read it again. John the Baptist makes the statement, this was the one of whom I said, the one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. But what he's talking about here is just, again, that eternality, the the foreverness and the godhood of Jesus Christ. He says he ranks ahead of me because he is he is God. And verse 16 It says, indeed, we have all received grace 
upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law there, when you hear that, think ritual. Think empty lip service. Think regulations. But he says grace and truth, the thing that can set you free. Restriction came through the law. Freedom comes through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God. Uh, Sorry, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Jesus is the perfect reflection, the perfect revelation of God the Father. The only way, he is the living word, and the only way to have a relationship with God the Father. Jesus is our creator and our savior. My youngest, Ryan, six, he's the little one in the picture that my wife was holding. He likes to draw. He fancies himself a bit of an artist. Now, sometimes it's really easy to tell what he's drawing. We can look and go, oh yeah, buddy, that's a giraffe. Okay, yeah. Or, oh, okay, that's a house. That's a picture of the family. But there's times, so I don't know if you have, if any of you in the room have a kindergartner, but they get these work folders sent home and they've got like math worksheets or, you know, these different things. But a lot of times they've got just these, they'll hang on to them for, I don't know why, for like two, three weeks and then send home all the artwork at once. And it feels like punishment because then we have to sit there and go through and go, what is this? Because so, like I said, sometimes, oh yeah, it's a giraffe. And then sometimes we're like, that's that's an elephant? Daddy, that's you, silly. Put that on the fridge. So, like, he'll tell us what he wants on the fridge, which is great because then we don't have to pick. Uh, but he'll put it, he'll tell us to put it on the fridge. So sometimes, sometimes it's clear and we can tell what it is, but then there's times when it's confusing and we have to ask the artist what the intention was. Life a lot of times is like that. It can be super clear and you're like oh yeah this is what god's doing but there's times when it can be really confusing and we need to go to the creator and the artist and ask him what's happening here what is this supposed to be you see when i'm confused about the artwork i have to turn to the artist for it to make sense students if you don't hear anything else i say if you're if you're in the room at all or even watching online. If you don't hear anything else I say, I want you to hear this one thing. We live in a confusing world, in a confusing and ever more chaotic time. And a lot of times it's messy, it's exhausting, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But we can find rest in the revelation. Rest comes in the revelation. When life doesn't make sense, we need to look to the Creator. Peace. Hope. Rest. Mercy. Grace. Forgiveness. It can only come through a relationship with the perfect revelation of God, the living Word, Jesus Christ. Not in a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. 
Not in academic achievement, not in sports, not in money, not in recognition, and definitely not in following your heart. It can only be found in Jesus. If you want to make sense of this world, look to Jesus. If you want hope when the world is chaotic, look to Jesus. If you're not sure what your next steps should be, Look to Jesus. If you're tired of being like the Israelites and wandering outside of the promised land, stop wandering. Look to Jesus. If you're just plain tired and you need the rest that can only come from the revelation, look to Jesus. The band's going to come back up, and we're going to have a moment to just kind of contemplate students on what's been going on in the weekend or, or for the rest of us, just what's happening in our lives, in the world. Uh, if, if we've been struggling with something, if we've been wrestling with something, or perhaps there's just something you need to come up and pray about or just lay bare before the Lord. We're going to have that opportunity, but I want you to hear me. Back in Hebrews 4, The author quotes the words of David from the Psalms. Today, not next week, not Tuesday, not in a month. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Rest can only be found in the revelation. Don't waste your time on imperfect reflections. Students, this is going to be your chance. Like, starting now. Don't let this, like I told you last night, Don't let this be the end. Disciple now is not in a capsule. Don't let the work that God has been doing in your lives start and stop here and now. Let this be the beginning of a movement. A movement of God that will impact not just you, but your homes, your schools, your community. Let it start now. Don't let it end now. If God's been doing a work in you, in you, let him keep going. The Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. If you just let him. Quit wandering and enter the rest. Quit struggling and trying to do it on your own. And let the perfect revelation of God into your heart and let him do his work. We're going to pray. And like I said, if you want to come up, if you need to talk to somebody, Eric will be here, I'll be here. If you want to come up and kneel and just pray, if you want to ask the Lord to give you the rest that maybe you have has been elusive to you for whatever reason, the altar will be open. Let me pray over you. God, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor of being here today and this weekend. And Lord, for the the beauty that comes in the Word of God that points us, Old Testament, New Testament, points us to the rest that we can find in Jesus Christ. Points us to the hope. Points us to the peace, the forgiveness, the grace. And yeah, God, maybe even the conviction that we've been wandering for far too long. So, Lord, as we come now, I pray that 
if there's somebody in this room or, or maybe even watching at home that you need to do business with, the Holy Spirit, you would move in their hearts and, and help them to push aside embarrassment or shame or guilt or anything like that that they may be feeling and give them the courage to take the steps that you're calling them to take. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for giving us the reflection of you in your son, Jesus Christ. Rest comes in him. The revelation. It's in his name, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that we pray, God. Amen.